Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? So I was in this interesting situation recently. I'll tell you a little bit about it. 
where, where I was in my bathroom drawing blood from my own arm so I could send it in for testing for a genetic and DNA test so that I can measure potential long-term or near-term um, health problems. At the beginning of 2022, I made a decision in the way that I did last year. So 2021 was about education for me. 2022 is about health. And so I said to myself last year, I'm going to invest every single penny that I have into education. I'm going to learn everything that I can about business, coaching, structures, uh, learn everything I can about hosting a podcast, learn everything that I can about building online programs, learn everything I can about writing my third book, learn everything I can about everything. And this year I said, I'm going to do that for health. I'm going to learn everything I can to do as be as physically and mentally healthy as humanly possible by any means. And so that has meant so far for me doing genetic testing, DNA testing, MTHFR testing, body density screenings and testing, heart screenings, all the blood work top to, I've probably given like 20 vials of blood this year, which is crazy. Um, X-rays, the whole nine, um, not to mention uh, microbiome sampling. If you're not familiar with that, it's like your poop DNA sample. It really is like, sorry, I hate to break it to you, but that's what it is. You need to know your gut microbiome, blah, blah, blah. And the reason why I wanted to do this was because one of the things I know from the research that I have done in my life is that your, as a trauma survivor, let me rephrase that, I, as a trauma survivor with an A score of 10, have a 30% increased likelihood of a shorter lifespan than someone who does not have A scores. 30%. So that means statistically right now, knowing and understanding the impact of the trauma that I've been through, hospitalization, surgeries, having SIBO, C. diff, E. coli when I was in Bali, broken bones, hernia surgery, uh, foot surgery, asthma, dying as asthma attack from when I was six years old and coding. I guess I didn't die, but I coded. Well, I guess that's technically dying. Whatever. Either way. Like the whole things that have happened to me in my life, if life expectancy is 78 years old, I feel like 50 might be where I land. And so I said, nope, fuck that. I cannot possibly, I cannot possibly reach my goal of ending generational trauma in my lifetime if I die at 50. It's not possible. So I said to myself, 2022 ongoing, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get healthy. I got the, I got the whoop. I got the, the Apple watch, the aura ring. Like I'm going hard because guys, I realized this. We spend our whole life not taking care of ourselves because no one taught us to take care of ourselves. And the only way that we're going to get healthy is by taking care of ourselves. And today's episode, I'm very, very excited to bring on my guests, Jonathan and Charlotte Stebbin Mills, who run a company called Wellness Theory. And the conversation that we're going to have is going to be about sleep, nutrition, diet, stress, work, the whole nine. And, and this conversation is one of the first of many in-depth conversations that we're going to be having, not with me and them particularly, but on the show about health. Because I recognize one of the things I want to do as we go forward with Think Unbroken is I want to teach you guys the same exact tools that I am learning in my life all the time. 
So as we go forward, I'm going to teach you about business. I'm going to teach you about health. I'm going to teach you about fitness and wealth and wellness. I'm going to teach you about trauma. I'm going to teach you, teach you literally about everything that has helped me have my life be what it is today. Because I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot of shows that exist that only talk about trauma. And I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into that. And the reason why is because I know how important the vast array of all the information is in the human experience. And if it were not for me having mentors in all of these different areas, I wouldn't be where I am. And so I want to give you guys that knowledge. And so today, this conversation with Jonathan and Charlotte of wellness theory is going to be absolutely incredible. And so I want to say, of course, thank you guys all so much for listening to the show. It means the world. We are growing ex and that is because of you, because of your listenership, because of your reviews, tag us online, share this, show people, send it to a friend. If you're like, this episode was incredible, share it with somebody because they may need it today. So I'm very excited to get in the show with wellness theory. And without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. And this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book dot think unbroken.com that's book dot think unbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one best-selling book think unbroken understanding and overcoming childhood trauma the most important thing that you can ever do my friends is show up for yourself and that's where you are today and i appreciate you i have massive gratitude for you and without further ado let's get into the show Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guests, Jonathan and Charlotte Sebbing Mills, who with over 30 years combined experience in health, fitness, and wellness are empowering people to change their lives. Guys, I'm super excited to be here with you today, particularly because my word for this year is health. So, for those who don't know you, before we dive in, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Definitely. I just want to say thank you for obviously allowing us to be on the show today. We're excited to be talking to you. Uh, my name is Jonathan Charlotte, and we are Wellness Theory. So Wellness Theory is a company that we created uh, where we help people to realize that when they're healthy and well, they can be a force for good in the world. Because something that we're so passionate about and it's important to us is when we can get rid of unhealthy stress from our lives and really leverage healthy stress we can really make a difference in the world no matter how big or small yeah and how we got here is well it's very unique really for both of us because we didn't always know each other obviously so for me I was born and raised in the UK I had a bit of a turbulent childhood when it comes to parents getting divorced being witness to things that no child should have to witness being then 
thinking that I was getting through and getting past all of those things, just naturally moving through life, thinking, oh, all, all is good until fast forward to when I'm like 25 and all of a sudden, wham, everything hits me at once. And I'd always been interested in fitness uh, and I'd always been in the fitness industry. I kind of fell into the industry at the age of 16. So fresh out of school, what I really wanted to do was actually join the military because I was very much in a people-pleasing space of my life, I decided to listen to family members and thought, okay, I'll go to college. If I still want to do that after, then I will. Lo and behold, I went to college, found a different path altogether. So what I ended up doing um, is working predominantly in the fitness space, all around fitness, nutrition, getting in, in shape, helping other people get in shape, whether it be for a wedding, for a holiday. And I always knew there was so much more to it. That, you know, people would get results for that occasion and then they'd lose them again. And I always knew there was a better ripple effect that could be happening. And that was when I was really searching for a way in which people could have lasting change in that fitness space. But for me, when I ended up having my own wake up call, as it were, where I suddenly, because I'd neglected my emotional and mental well-being for all these years, I suddenly had this light bulb moment of, uh, this is the piece that's totally missing. This is the piece that is causing somebody that on the outside, which was myself, healthy, well, in terms of to the world. I was active. I was fit. I was progressing. I was doing really great in my career. I was li living in the Middle East. I was climbing up that ladder, got to the, the most senior position you can get to yeah, when it comes to that field. But inside, I was like struggling. I was spiraling, negative thinking, um, in complete emotional meltdown. Um, I was literally at a point of wanting to end it all. I was, I was done. I was down and out. And there was at that point where I was like, ah, do you know what? <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it for me. Something clicked. And that was when I went on my own journey of mental health, getting support, um, learning about our emotional health and how impactful that is when it comes to, to well-being. Yeah, um, for me, my kind of backstory, well, it's really started when I was a child and growing up in South Africa, that's where I was born. And one thing I learned, and the biggest thing I learned was actually from my dad, but he didn't teach it to me consciously. It was something that I picked up from him as I grew up, which was about suppressing emotions. And I didn't realize that until a lot later in life, where I was growing up and hiding about expressing yourself, hiding those feelings and just because as a man, you're not supposed to express feelings. So I grew up in that environment where my mum, my mother was very expressive. My dad was not. And anytime that I was trying to be expressive, my dad would just joke it off. He would make a joke about it, bottle it in and just basically say, don't cry. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, just get on with it. So I took that with me, um, obviously, through, through growing up as a child. And one of the kind of a pivotal moment for me as a child was when I witnessed my dad hitting my mum for the first and last time um that's when they kind of split up and things got a bit crazy for us as, ch as children for me and my sisters and then that's when we moved we moved from south africa to the uk and growing up as a teenager living with my mum um again still suppressing those emotions and under struggling to understand why everyone around me was happy enough crying and doing and expressing themselves and i was uh, what what's what's wrong with people like you're not supposed to show these emotions. And I took this into, into college with me. I took this into work with me. And I remember as getting into the workplace, my mindset was about, okay, I can't show emotions. I've got to be strict. I've got to be, 
I've got to be strong. I've got to be correct. Like people need to understand that it's, this is how it's going to be. And this is this my way or, or no way. So I kind of went into, into the work environment, into the health and fitness industry, focusing on really kind of go, 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 go is keeping busy, training all the time is being that kind of dictator mentality when it comes to being a manager, but also being a coach as well. So I took that with me. And when I couldn't get the results I was trying to get, I would get angry. I would get frustrated. I'd get real just pissed off. And that would happen pretty much every five minutes uh, for me. I was known, I got, I got nicknamed the Hulk at that time. I was an extremely angry person. Uh, anyone who worked with me, even Charlotte at the time, we, we came to heads a lot of the time when we used to work together because it was, I couldn't understand that why I would tell someone, like, this is how you do it. I'd show them and they wouldn't do it. It's like, why? This is how you do it. This is the only way to do it. So why aren't you doing it? And I just, I get myself worked up. I get angry. I'd be swearing every five seconds. Um, and my way of releasing that wasn't expressing or talking about it. It was hitting the gym hard. It was training six, seven times a week, sometimes three, four hours a day. And that would add a lot of stress onto an already stressed system. And I would be experiencing a lot of fatigue. I'd be on nine coffees a day trying to keep myself awake. That would actually have the adverse effect and just completely uh, exhaust me. Um, I started developing chronic pain. Start, well, I started developing pain initially and pain and tension. And over the years, that developed into chronic pain. And I started to experience that in my back, in my spine. And I never used to look and uh, experience these these feelings that were inside i used to try again ignore them and block them off and over the years i got louder and louder and louder and to the point where that chronic pain became so much i couldn't train anymore i was struggling to eat struggling to sleep and i started to affect my vision and that's when i knew that there was something going on inside that that it was it was something wasn't right something wasn't connected and i was focused so much on the physical aspect of my health i was trying chiropractors i was trying physios i was trying i had injections in my spine to try and relieve the pain i was experiencing and nothing had a long-term effect so it got to the point where i started to think it must be another way and that's when i started to think outside of the physical and started to think okay what can i do that's different and that's when i got into the mental and emotional sides of wellness and started to look at what, how I was thinking, how I was feeling, and actually start to process some of the emotions I was feeling. But first, I had to understand what I was feeling because I had no idea. I was completely emotionally illiterate. I know the only thing I knew I was feeling was anger. I knew I was angry all the time, and I knew I was exhausted all the time. That was pretty much it. Um, and then when I started to resolve these emotions, started to do some of that inner work, the funny thing happened is after years this was about 10 years of pain accumulating um, in the first half of my career and when I started to pay attention and just sit and listen to myself and started to pay attention and get the help I, I needed within weeks that pain that chronic pain just dissipated and completely vanished and I remember standing up one day from a breath work was a huge um, win for me it was a massive massive um, thing that that that, that, were, that affected my life so about two weeks after doing a constant breathwork meditation that I really connected with, I remember standing up one day and the pain, I just felt no pain at all in my body. I had no idea what was happening. And that's when that was, that was kind of when that light bulb moment went on, which was like pain is not, majority of pain is not a physical problem. It comes back to a lot of deep-seated emotional, mental, energetic issues that have, um, that have been caused over years and years and years. They're just compounded. 
so for me that 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 light bulb moment that that aha moment was health is not just about training and me and eating well it's about the physical it's about the mental it's about the emotional connecting all those together and understanding that our body is one whole and we can't just focus on one and neglect the others was just so key to what we what we do now with wellness theory and what we do with clients now yeah that's both of your stories are incredible and you know, I feel in, in my own personal journey in life, a parallel with, with each of you individually and together. You know, I, I remember a moment I was probably 30 years old. It was the first time in my life I felt pain-free. I, I never remember, I was standing in the kitchen with, uh, with one of my very close friends and roommates at the time, and this was, gosh, almost seven years ago. And I was literally crying. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't feel any pain right now. And that might have been to my recollection, the first time in my life that I had had that experience coming on the backside of a tremendous amount of, as we would call it, doing the work, showing up, going to therapy, breath work, journaling, meditation, the whole nine. And, and I think constantly and frequently when you look at the research, especially if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Folletti's work in the ACE survey, if you're familiar with Bessel van der Kolk's work in The Body Keeps the Score, if you're familiar with Pete Walker's work, everything kind of points to this idea that there is this um, really interesting correlation, probably based on causation of trauma and abuse and the extraneous circumstances we go through in our childhood that lead us to this place where these detrimental health ramifications start to present themselves at 12, 18, 25, 35. And, you know, what's really fascinating, I look at the experiences of many, many people who have been in my life who have gone through these traumatic experiences who are now elder elderly, I should say, excuse me, and they're on a litany of prescription drugs. And I, I can't help but wonder, like, if they were to do some work, would this be different? Or, you know, has it already been too far gone? One of the things I'd, I'd love to talk about and dive into is kind of the, the basis of wellness theory, where this has come from, what the mission is, what you're teaching and what you try to what you want to accomplish with the company. Yeah, so the the real kind of baseline of this is we ended up creating wellness theory off the back of not seeing it talked about enough, not seeing people talk about this correlation. Because in the fitness space, trainers are taught the very, very basics of psychology. And it's usually in and around um, just moving people into action. It's not looking at potential issues that are going on underlying behaviours, right? So... There's this whole industry that are not aware of emotional intelligence or emotional literacy or emotional connection. So we we created as much change as we could when we was working in the corporate fitness space. We did work with the same company, and that's kind of how we met. Um, and then we was just like, no, do you know what? There's, we're, we're too restricted here because, as you know, there's obviously certain parameters within any big company. You know, we was flying and managing clubs across six different countries in GCC so there's like certain standards and certain structures that you can't change even though you really want to so that's how wellness theory ended up being born because we was like no there's a need for this um, and it's very drastic so our whole mission with this is just to raise awareness and help people to stop suffering like Jonathan said our whole mission is about helping people realize when they're healthy and well they can be a force for good because we've seen it in ourselves 
seen in our clients, the minute they start getting a grip on on how they're feeling and and how they're showing up in their lives, they suddenly want to do all of these incredible things. And the reality is, is like they had to deal with stress in the first place because that was the pattern. Like you said, there, Michael, is like, you know, you've seen people that have gone through these traumatic things that are now on this like massive prescription of, of drugs or, or other things that they're experiencing. And the reality is, is that it doesn't have to be the case. Whenever we've worked with people from a fitness space, we've always noticed the pattern is there's a form of stress that's triggering all of these behaviors. There's a form of stress when somebody's not performing at their best in the workplace. It comes back to stress being the root. So wellness theory is all about helping people pull out that that stress at the root so that they can actually start to live a healthier lifestyle. And in that, I, I think that there are people who, I'll give you my own scenario. So I'm, I'm looking at my life. I'm 20 or 25 years old. I'm like, my life is stressful. So I'm going to drink this away. I'm going to smoke it away. I'm going to have sex it away. I'm going to eat it. Like I'm going to do the whole thing, everything, but deal with it. Because especially in Western societies, you find that the answer is always go to the pub, go to the restaurant, don't go to the gym don't, or go to the gym too much. Right. Jonathan, your experience and looking at this and going first and foremost, I think one of the important things we can do here would be a to define stress for people listening. Cause I think there's a huge misnomer about what stress even is because there's healthy stress and there's unhealthy stress. And then secondarily, I think that there are people who are listening right. I know there are people listening right now who don't recognize that their behavioral patterns are actually making their stress exponentially worse. So first, could you define stress and then you could talk about how the actions that you're taking in your day-to-day -day life are implicating long-term health problems? Absolutely. So stress in itself, I think the first thing for people to realize is stress is normal. Stress is a normal physiological response that every single human being on this earth experiences, um, some more than others. But when we have any type of challenge or change within our life, uh, no matter how small or how extreme our stress response kicks in, it's an, it's an autonomic response. So our what we, we call in a scientific perspective, we activate our sympathetic nervous system, which is our stress response, fight, flight, or freeze. So our cortisol raises, our adrenaline raises, and we're in a state of stress. Now, what happens at that point is our body, well, our mind and body will start to determine whether that stress is useful. So, are we in, are, are, is our life at threat? Is, is, are we about to get mauled by a lion or run over by a car? So, if we are, that stress response is warranted. And then, when that danger passes and we're safe again, our body automatically calms down to what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and recovery. Um, and the same happens when we start a new job, when we get into a new relationship, when we go to a new country. Um, our stress response activates, but this is a good thing because it helps us to grow, it helps us to adapt. But as long as we're aware of it and we're aware how to shut it off when we're not, we don't need it anymore. The problem arises is when we, it switches on, we're not aware, we don't, we're not aware of it, and we keep it on, and we keep it on by whatever. The, for example, if a situation happens at work, you go into work, someone, you, you're all calm, you're happy, and then all of a sudden, someone comes in your face and they're shouting at you, and all of a sudden, your stress response raises. They walk off and you're wondering what the hell happened, like what was going on. And you're thinking about it all day. So you're not calming down. Your strength response is still active. And you're worrying about it. You're throwing, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Like, what's, what's happening? Why are they angry at me? Why did they shout at me? And it's on your mind. You're playing over the scenario again and again. And every time you play over the scenario, you bring up those feelings of whatever happened. It could be fear. It could be guilt. It could be shame. It could be anger. Whatever that is. 
you're bringing those feelings back up by reliving that moment in your mind again and again and again. And you again, you're going to bed. What's on your mind? Your stress response is still high. You wake up in the morning, you feel exhausted. Your stress response is still on. And there's only so much your um, your you've got a limit on your stress response. So you've got two different levels of of, of stress of sympathetic nervous system. That initial one where you feel it, you feel like your heart rate racing, your body's warming up, your palms are sweaty. Then at, when it when it reaches its limit and it can't handle any more stress, it switches to the most primal stress response that you have, which you don't realize it's it's on anymore. You don't realize it's there, but it's still underlying. You 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 might feel that you're relaxing. You get home. You can, okay, someone shouted me. I'm going to go home. I'm going to relax. I'm going to sit in front of the TV. I'm going to watch Netflix and have a glass of wine. But you think you're relaxing on the outside, but internally, that stress response has still kicked in. So what's happening is that is going on and on and on. It's like a hamster wheel. It keeps going until you start to identify and realize how you're feeling inside and start to deal with those emotions that happen during that situation to be able to calm everything down. So stress is a normal response and it's healthy when it's needed. It becomes unhealthy when it becomes chronic and we keep living in that emotion and that state of stress all the time, uh, whether it's due to the people we work with, the job we have, the family we have, the relationship we're in. Um, all these things have an influence on how we respond to stress. So in acute stress, we raise our level. Okay, we notice that we're in a new situation, a new challenge, a new environment. And we go, okay, this is good. I, okay, I can... I feel comfortable now. I can calm down. I can relax. My nervous system does its job. We're in a more resourceful state. But when we're not and we keep it there and we keep, we keep worrying what's going to happen, we're fear of the unknown, we keep it high and we keep it switched on. And that's when it becomes chronic. And when it becomes chronic, it creates massive health implications, uh, mental health, emotional health, physical health, from anything from that overthinking and that analysis to paralysis kind of mentality to uh, to pain chronic pain inflammation in the body which leads to illnesses disease and can carry on the longer that we live in that state of stress so i think as long as people realize that stress is normal and it's it's needed um in depending on what we're doing if we're challenging ourselves or we're changing things in our life but we need to acknowledge and feel well, understand what we're feeling and understand when we don't need it anymore when to be able to calm down and switch it off because you can even though it's an autonomic response you can't control the initial response but you can control your response after that you can control what happens next if that makes sense you think about it like uh, the light switch in your bedroom right when you want to look for something it's perfect it's good that you can switch it on right but when you're trying to sleep and if the light's still on that's going to mess with you right that's not a good thing it's the same with our stress response like jonathan said we need to make sure that it's on when it needs to be but then we know how to start to navigate when it is on so that we can start to bring ourselves back to to resourceful space and and in that i i love the analogy actually i think that's really perfect because at nighttime if my light's on i cannot sleep like it's not going to happen. Right. And I, I think that there are so many different ways that people can navigate this, but when, when stress is such a constant factor in life, television, Netflix, going out, drinking, overworking at the gym, working too much, your cell phone, which you should probably throw in the trash. You know, you have all of these things in your life that are really just stress magnets. Just you're, you're getting drawn to them every single moment of the day. A, how do you figure out and decipher healthy stress versus bad stress? And then B, in your day-to-day life, just understanding the world that we live in, how do you just navigate stress stress as a whole? 
take the first one. Okay. So um, when it comes to understanding health, unhealthy stress is it's getting triggered by silly things. For example, you're looking at you, know, you wake up first thing in the morning and you look at your phone. You're scrolling through Facebook and social media, and most of the stuff you see on there is usually negative or quite it's 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 just stuff that doesn't need to be out there. And we look at it and we create an emotional response to it and we get triggered. There might be something to do with coronavirus, it might be something to do with the government, it might be something to do with um, what's going on in the world that starts us to think and starts to think, oh, like, why is this happening? This is this is awful. This is bad. This triggers our response, and this we don't need we don't need that. That's an unhealthy stress response because if we're getting triggered by something that's on a phone, that's on a screen, when it's it's when we're laying in bed and, and looking at it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's not serving you. So unhealthy stress is when it becomes unserving, and that could be the same as when you're going to work, you're driving to work and you get cut up by someone and you start feeling your blood your blood boil and you flip someone up and you start swearing at them. That person hasn't got a clue what you're saying or how you're feeling. They've just cut you off. They're gone. And you now, again, your stress response has kicked in and you're shouting and swearing and you're you're holding on to that intense charge of emotion. That become, that's unhealthy stress. Okay, And it's these things where we get start getting triggered by silly little things and we, we hold on to those emotions. We hold on to those feelings and we don't let them go. And they, and they build up and they build up and they stack. That becomes unhealthy. And it's because it's, we're looking at our phone first thing in the morning. It's how we, the awareness of when we're driving to work or when we're talking to people at work or when we're talking to our family. And family is a big, what we find is a big one that stresses people out um, a lot. And the funny thing is it's, Family, family, you can't choose your family, but what you can choose is your response to your family. So if you know that you're going into that situation and you know that, okay, I, we usually come to heads, you've got that decision to make where you're going to either let that affect you and influence you and raise your stress and keep it there, or you've got the choice to not let it affect you and, you, and to approach it from a more resourceful way. And it is easier said than done when you're in a stressful state and you're in that chaos and you're like going crazy, um, but there are ways to, to, to manage that. Yeah, so the, the healthy stress essentially is something that helps us grow, right? It challenges us, it pushes us out of our comfort zone and is something that actually ends up being either a real good lesson for us or it ends up building something within us, right? So that's actually really, really healthy. And the problem is these people get sucked into a lot of distraction and they give their power away to these things. So like Jonathan mentioned, the phone, the job, we start to allow these things to just become part of who we are instead of actually having our own sense of authority over our own lives. And that, I think, is where the big slippery slope can come in. If you can imagine like a pyramid and you imagine at the top of the pyramid, we have life. In the middle of the pyramid, we have health. And at the bottom of the pyramid, we have what we call root or kind of our upbringing or our conditioning. OK, we are always playing in this pyramid every point of the day we are operating from the things that we've modeled in the world from the way our parents reacted to stress if you've seen you know your, your parents or your fr best friends like flipping people off in the traffic and getting stressed out you're going to model that too and that's going to become part of who you are but the only reason it becomes part of who you are is because you've just adopted that usually mindlessly right and not on purpose but it's just how our subconscious works but what we do is we adopt that and then we behave that way without even questioning it. So that's kind of where our, our conditioning plays a part. But then that has a knock on effect, like Jonathan said, to how we feel. You know, in the traffic scenario, you're going to go spend the rest of the day stressed out of your mind or you've got this toxic energy inside of you. And then that might 
cause you to then snap at somebody else throughout the day and just have these little knock-on effects. And ultimately, that then feeds you into that life level and you show up in life in ways in which you wouldn't usually choose to. But the problem is we're getting stuck in this pyramid. We're getting stuck in this little cycle. And that becomes really, really unhealthy until we start to control what is going on at the root, what is going on in our in our well-being, in our actual health, like in terms of what are we doing about it? How attuned are we to even how we're feeling? Are we even aware that why we are flipping people off in the traffic? <laughs> are we aware why we're snapping at our loved ones? Most of the time, we just don't take the time to check ourselves and that's becoming a big problem we're falling victim to our circumstance instead of being able to take personal responsibility and personal responsibility isn't about the burden of being responsible for everything all the time it's about remembering that we have the ability to respond We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Wow. That's really beautifully said. And and I would could not be in more agreement with you. One of the things that came to mind is I, I think about this idea of people being stuck in that pyramid. I, I will be the first person to raise my hand and be like, I've been stuck in that shit for sure. <laughs> right. And and you look at these choices and decisions that you make and you you hear the word choice in this. You hear the word decision in this. But so many people just relegate that idea and that understanding to the fact that this is who I am, this is how I grow up, this is who I'm gonna be. There's nothing that I can ever do to change it. Now, obviously, there's conversations about limited belief and being stuck in a fixed mindset and things of that nature. But when, when you're working with people and they're coming in, they want to go through this process with wellness theory and they recognize or you recognize, wow, you're stuck in this pyramid. How does one start to move through that? Like, like what is uh, what I would love to tap into is something practical that the Unbroken Nation listening right now can add to their life to look at, okay, am I stuck? How do I get unstuck? How do I get out of this pyramid? How do I live my life through choice and decision making? So, so I think the first place is is recognizing that, mm-hmm. right? And that's the key. So this is for anybody that's recognizing, do you know what, at that life level, there are things that, that just aren't serving me. They're not serving my loved ones. They're not serving who I am and who, who I believe I can be. That's the first part. Is they need to recognize that actually when we are trying to change things in our life, because that's usually the thing, right? It's like we, okay, we're stressed out, so we change the job or the relationship's not working, so we change the relationship. We're trying to change the stuff in the life. And that's usually a big part of the problem. And often by the time clients come to work with us, it's because they've already tried to change all those things and they're still feeling this way and they're still struggling with their own clues of stress, like negative thinking, overthinking, chronic pain, uh, anxiety, all of these types of things. 
So what we always do with somebody in the very beginning, we need to help them to understand that the things that we can control ourselves, the easy wins and the low hanging fruit are often in that health level. Okay. And there's eight key pillars within that health level where anybody can start. Definitely. And these eight pillars that we focus on, on the health level are obviously breathing and meditation as a kind of like the foundation, the key to tapping into every system in our body. Um, we go from there into, into movement. And when we talk about movement, we're talking about mindful movement. So not just exercising in the gym, but moving your body because it is such a vital thing to do is movement is the key to life for our physical body. From here, we also look at nutrition and hydration, which are two big, big um, things that a lot of people miss, especially the hydration part of keeping ourselves hydrated and functioning correctly. From there, we look at quality of thinking. We look at emotions in terms of emotional stability, emotional intelligence. Um, we just look at sleep. Again, sleep is kind of the biggest win a lot of people can make in the shortest space of time that doesn't cost anything. So it's like they, it's the biggest return of investment they can focus on. Um, and then the, the seventh one is energy. So it's checking on their energy. Is it consistent? Is it up and down? Is it like a roller coaster? Is it low constantly throughout the day? And then the last one we look at is um, action taken. So all those seven above, if you're aware of your breathing habits and they're not great, if you're aware of you don't move much, you, um, you're aware of your nutrition habits, your, your quality of thinking, your emotions, but then you don't take action on anything to improve and change things, it's pointless. It's like I said, the whole concept of knowledge is power, but it's an application of knowledge. It's okay knowing that if you're not applying it to your life, then nothing is going to change. And that be, that, that's even worse than not knowing because not knowing is, is kind of like ignorance is bliss kind of scenario. But when you know and you don't do anything about it, that creates even more problems because you know what's going on. You know what needs to change, but you're not making those changes that need to happen. And that can come down to people might not be ready to change. And I think that's a big key. And that's the first step is of that recognizing, like obviously like you guys said, is recognizing that what's happening but also being ready and willing to, to make those changes because if you're not ready and you're not willing it doesn't matter how much you recognize it you're not going to do it you need to be in that state of reading willingness and readiness to change and that's half the battle once you're ready and willing then the other half becomes a little bit easier i'm not saying it's all like easy and you're going to do it like day overnight but having that level of awareness and recognition but then being ready and willing to to, to make those changes that's the first half of the battle done. I think it's really important as well. It's like that our last one action taken because that's mm. such a thing that people struggle with, right? Yeah. Procrastination is king right right now, I think, in this modern world. And that's where the, the root level mm. comes into that pyramid that we described earlier is that if if we can dig into any one of those eight areas, uh, Michael, as you see fit to get, get more tactical um, for listeners. But the reality is if that's the real struggle, it's the conditioning, it's the root level that needs attention and you might need help to work through that because that is when you are looking at things like limiting belief. You are looking at unresolved negative emotions. You are looking at old patterns that are not serving. And that requires a little bit of a deep, deeper work, like the work that you referred to earlier. Yeah, I, I love that. And and I do actually want to go a little bit deeper because Jonathan, you said something I thought was really interesting. And that's the, one of the easiest and, and quickest way to start creating changes around sleep. 
And there's research and studies coming out right now that just because of the lack of sleep that we're having, we are losing longevity. And that one of the things that's fascinating that's happening for the first time in the last like 250 years is that life expectancy is actually going down. And that terrifies me. What I, what I realized and is that a, I've had insomnia for the vast majority of my life. And so I've had to put a tremendous amount of work around my sleep habits to make them forefront in my life. Because if I don't sleep, I can feel it. I don't coach as well. I don't write as well. I don't host podcasts as well. I don't do so many different things as well. Right. But when I, when I focused on sleep first, I noticed this huge difference in this trend line of health, of success, of business, of growth, of relationship, of career, like everything like really seemed to be around that foundation. So I would love to dive into that a little bit more because it is free. It is accessible. There's no fucking excuses for anyone listening to this because it's right here for you and we all do it. So I would love for you to talk about Let's rewind. Let's say someone listening right now is like me. I'm, I'm 30 years old, can't sleep, 45, can't sleep, whatever. My mind is always wandering. I'm always racing. I wake up exhausted. I go to bed exhausted. I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, even though I don't even wake up to like seven, the whole thing, all of it's just screwed up. What the hell do I do guys? Well, if you're like that, that, that is definitely your priority and focus. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they feel like exactly like you explained, but they're focusing on nutrition or focusing on exercise. Uh, sleep should be your number one priority if you're being, if your sleep's not um, quality, because that affects every single area of your life, like you said. And once you get your sleep in order, it becomes easier to make those changes in every area. And there's so many things you can do when it comes to sleep from external things to internal. Um, so I know Charlotte wants to speak about the internal when it comes to the racing mind. So I'll let her go through some tactical um, things that people can do right now, especially if they're having a racing mind overthinking and they can't get to sleep. Just before I do, there's one really interesting um, study that I heard about quite recently. And that was that there was um, a big experiment done on like how much sleep people are getting. And they found that people who have less than seven hours sleep a night when they do almost like a, a, a the equivalent of a breathalyzer test but in in the science world um you're actually at like kind of alcohol level and you wouldn't be past it to be able to drive a car just because you're having less than seven hours and when we're talking about seven hours here we're talking about quality and this is something that we talk about with our clients as well we need to look at the quality of sleep because i'm sure you know there michael there's so many studies you've got to have nine hours sleep you've got to have five hours sleep you've got to have seven hours sleep it's about the quality it's about making sure you get the right sleep cycles and get the right number of sleep cycles as well um throughout throughout a night so what's really, really important is that we are looking at first the environment that you're setting up for yourself when you go to sleep. And yes, that's external environment and internal environment. If your mind is racing, the, the, you need to take care of that first, right? That's part of the way, like when you brush your teeth before you go to bed, that needs to become one of those habits. We need to start to cleanse our thinking. But otherwise, it is going to wake you up at three o'clock in the morning. So there's a few different things you can do. Something simple like a brain dump, where you literally take all of the thoughts that are in your head and you just whack them out on paper, not your phone, on paper. And you literally almost like just clear that frenetic, frenetic, frenetic energy that's in your mind. And you, you're getting that out of your system. You're getting it onto paper. You don't have to do anything with it. We're not judging it. We are literally just getting it out of our system so that we can just breathe 
getting to a good night's sleep and then away we go so that's that's kind of one thing if 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 that resonates that's something key to try because that can be really really helpful the other thing is something simple like breathing something so simple just like box breathing so help clear our mind we are literally just breathing in for four we're holding for four we exhale for four and hold it on the exhale as well and we just continue going in that box pattern and that will start to bring our nervous system down so it stops fueling these thoughts it stops fueling all of this excess energy that we don't need when we're trying to go to sleep those are just a couple of things that you can do just to just to help with the with the thinking side because then you have a clean slate (laughs) then you're like okay i've got the capacity for sleep right now because your body knows what to do when you go to sleep yeah and then you've got obviously the external when it comes to the external things there's so many things you can do right now to make it easier for your body to go into that deep sleep um and in terms of the room is sure everyone's heard this a dark room you got pitch black pitch black room and there are so many studies done on this as well when it comes to light and sleep there was one study in particular where they had a pitch black room with only a literally a tiny stream of light coming in that were basically when it came in it was shining on the participant's leg and it wasn't in the face anything like that they were complete everything was black to them their eyes closed but when that light hit their skin on their leg they woke up within minutes their brain activity, start, the, the brain waves started to go into a waking state. So light doesn't affect you by just shining in your face. It's about, it's, it's those photoreceptors that are on every single inch of your skin. So when light hits any um, part of your skin, your brain waves start to go into that awakened state. So pitch black room is very, very key. Blackout curtains, whatever you need to do to make it nice and dark in there, get it done. And also coldness is having a cool room. And again, so many studies done on this as well, about 90 degrees, 19 to 20 degrees seems to be optimal for uh, going into that deep sleep and staying there. If it gets too warm, guess what? Our body can't sleep. It's too warm. It's too uncomfortable. Everything Again, we wake up, our, our, our heart rate increases, our, our, our body temperature increases, and we can't go to sleep. So having a cold room um, around about 19, 20 degrees um, from, from what studies have shown is key. Like we, we like to have, I'd prefer to have it colder. Charlotte doesn't. <laughs> the colder, the better for me. But you can see the difference. But you can definitely it's... notice the difference. Um, and then sound as well. Um, obviously, some depends where you are. If you're in the middle of a city and you've got traffic going along and stuff, like that, sound might not be easy to control. But you can get um, certain earplugs um, and sleeping devices that can help shut off the noise around you. Um, I know some people get used to the noise and they're able to see through it, which is fine. But a lot of people aren't. They get woken very, very easy by any noise that happens. Um, so it's, it's looking at noise, temperature, light within the bedroom before you go to bed. Um, and especially phones, uh, technology. I think we, we reiterate this so much and so does everyone else. If you look at any, any blog or any video when someone's talking about improving your sleep, it's no technology, no phones, no blue lights, at least two, three hours before bed. It's like, get rid of the technology, read, okay, um, do meditate, breathe, talk, do something that doesn't involve looking at a screen because it's, that blue light raises, obviously, keeps your brainwaves in a awakened state. Obviously, you can get blue, um, blue light reducing glasses. You can get apps on your phone and screens that reduce blue light emission. But ultimately, the best thing is get rid of technology uh, two to three hours before bed and keep technology out of the bedroom completely. Because again, even when it's even if you're not looking at it and it's on, that those radio waves, those frequencies that are emanating from the devices can still affect your sleep. And again, loads of studies done on that uh, the effectiveness of 
Wi-Fi signals, phone signals that affect your sleep if you're in a close proximity to them. Another thing to think about as well, and there's a lot of studies to support both angles on this about when you should exercise. So it's always, and we always say this to our clients, you need to test, right? Anybody listening to this, you need to test what's right for you and test, okay, well, how's your sleep after this? So there's a lot of um, research to back up. If you're exercising intensely first thing in the morning, you're going to sleep better at night. So the reality is like if you're going to the gym, you're doing a high intensity session, like a couple of hours before bed, you're probably going to be off the wall and and it's going to be even harder to sleep. So just something as simple as changing when you're exercising can be really helpful as well. So coming back to what I mentioned a second ago, because it's so, so important. Use yourself as your own Mm. experiment. You need to pick the things that feel like a low entry point and that could be an easy win for you right now and then see how that affects things, because the reality is, is like you're unique. And you're going to be on your own journey. There's going to be some things that are going to help more than others. If you can do them all, fantastic. You're going to like be sleeping like a king and queen in, in like a in a week. Um, it's that powerful. Yeah, I, I love that. And and for those who are on the metric system, um, we're at like 65, 68 degrees is probably oh, yeah. the ideal number <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, I, I find myself, I'll give you a perfect example. It was, so I'm in Denver, Colorado, in the middle of America, out here in the, the, the Arctic desert, as they call it. And it was freezing cold last night, zero here. I don't know what that means in Imperial system, sorry. Um, but what I, what I did, I turned up the heat during the day because I'm working, I want to stay comfortable, there's lots of things to do. And as I was going to bed, I realized it was like 71 degrees in my bedroom, and which would be like 24 for you guys or whatever, I don't know. I should figure <laughs> that out so we have context for people. But it's, it's warmer than it should be. Yeah. And I had such a struggle initially falling asleep that I had to open up the window and let cold air come to cool the room, room down. And I fell asleep about 45 minutes later than I usually do. So I think that people will hear these things and go, well, that's far-fetched. That doesn't really make sense. How could temperature make such a big difference? But it really does make all of the difference in the world. And you know, a couple of degrees here or there can be the difference between a great night's sleep and a really poor night's sleep. And so I'm, I'm right here with both of you, like test it, find out what works for you. I need ear, I need, I, I use um, noise canceling headphones at night with beta wave noise. Um, and I have um, a sleep mask. Like I, I pitch black and, and beta noise or uh, theta noise, excuse me. Yeah. So everyone needs something different. And I think that's one of the greatest things about the human body and experience is that we're not all the same. And people always be like, eat broccoli, don't eat broccoli. I don't know, man, do what works for you. One of the things, and, and for the sake of time, but I, I feel this is very important, and I want to go in deeper with you guys if you have time right now, talk to us about another one of those pillars in this eight steps, and that's nutrition. It's such a complicated thing. I mean, with, with all the information, I feel like it's over-information. People get stuck. They don't know where to start. If you were to lay out just some base guidelines for the way people should be thinking about nutrition what would those be? And I want to predicate this on this. I once heard someone say food is medicine. And I have found that to hold incredibly true in my life. What kind of role does food and nutrition really play in the human experience? Same as every every other part of our wellness, absolutely massive part of um, how everything functions. And I think the biggest thing, like you said, is too much information and too much conflicting information that people are listening to. And like we've already mentioned, the best, the first piece of advice we give anyone is listen to your own body. Whatever you put in, you're going to get a response. So, for example, you eat something that your body does not like, 
you're going to get a response. You're going to feel lethargic. You're going to feel bloated. You're going to feel gassy. You're going to feel maybe abdominal pain. You're going to feel just exhausted. That's not a good sign. Um, your body, your your gut, your digestive system is not able to digest that correctly. And that's not the food that's the problem. There's a deeper thing going on inside of um, what's happening inside our gut. But not to go too deep into that, it's, it's change the food initially and figure out what foods make you feel good. And with most people, it's usually whole foods, single ingredient foods, lots of vegetables. And some people, if they want to eat meat, they can go for organic style meat. So stuff like this, it just helps um, the gut to, to digest food correctly. So I'd say the first thing is listen to your body, what you put into it, because it's going to give you a response of what happens. And that's the first step is listen and adapt. Second one is hydration. doesn't matter what you eat. If you're not hydrated, you're not absorbing anything. You've got to hydrate properly. So, And that doesn't mean drinking four or five liters of water a day. It means drink, drinking quality mineralized water. And you, a lot of people listening to this might be drinking three liters of water a day, and they still feel dehydrated. They still have a dry mouth. They still feel like going to the, running to the toilet every five seconds. If you're running to the toilet every five seconds and you've got a dry mouth after drinking three liters, that's the key that your water is poor quality. You need to change it up. And if you just Google what are the kind of top the top three waters in your area, even like bottled water, if you drink bottled water, and get that. But then as an extra added benefit is add in uh, sea salt as a mineralization uh, protocol to the water. So, for example, if you have a glass, a 300 mil glass of water, you'd add half a teaspoon of either Himalayan pink uh, sea salt or Celtic sea salt into your water. That helps to remineralize it. And not going too sciencey, those minerals that are in the salt that get into your body, they are responsible for hundreds of things from energy production, from skin health, digestive health, um, of absorbing nutrients from food and taking them to where they need to go in the body so they don't just get flushed out of your system. So they are responsible for so many things and every system in our body functioning and all the organs functioning as they're meant to just by adding half a teaspoon of good quality sea salt into your water. Um, when you drink it, it helps to remineralize it. And what you notice is that you go from drinking three liters to probably half of that and you feel hydrated because it's not the amount you're drinking. It's the quality of the water that's now not just passing through your system. It's actually getting absorbed into every cell of your body and hydrating you and doing what it needs to do. So that would definitely be a big, big win when it comes to um, nutrition and hydration. One more thing I would add to that is the state you are in when you are eating. If you are super stressed out of your mind, you haven't taken a minute to just calm yourself, right? Just by simply breathing, super, super simple, then your your body isn't going to have the capacity to be able to digest the foods that you're having. So again, you could be eating the, the freshest diet ever, the cleanest diet you can imagine. And if you're eating when you're stressed, like your body is not going to be able to utilize it. So it's really pointless. Mm. So just taking a few deep breaths before you eat can just put your body into that space of rest and digest, right? It's literally what it's called. So what we want to do is make sure that we're creating again that internal environment so that we are able to then use it effectively. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that's so important is recognizing that, especially for, for people, and I know many of the Unbroken Nation audience who have grown up in trauma environments or had traumatic experiences, that we can often be dissociated. You know, I, I remember these moments in childhood, in my teens, in my early 20s. And I mean, even now, like if I get triggered because like it still happens, right? I'm like, if I eat and I'm in a hyper aroused state, 
I like engulf that shit so fast. My body cannot possibly break it down because I've not chewed enough to start creating the saliva to digestive enzymes to kick in for me to actually produce the natural normative response of the human body to break down food, to turn it into fuel. And so I love what you just said. I, I think that's probably one of the most important things anyone's ever said on this show about eating is that you really do need to take a moment. If And, and I would even recommend doing it at, at every single meal. I, I saw a study. I want to say it's from Cambridge University, but I, I don't want to swear by that. And that they found that people who prayed before eating digested better than people who just ate because it was just that single moment of pause prior to eating that helped them come back into their body. And so I think that there's there's obviously so many different ways, whether it's prayer or meditation or breath, but, you know, to just be present. And like, I, I feel like I'm hearing that being the the repeating aspect of this entire conversation is like, pay attention, be present, yeah. be in your body. I, I would be remiss to not ask you guys this question, though, because I think it's really, really important in this topic. There are people who are listening right now who will tell you, yeah, yeah, guys heard this a million times. But they fight themselves at every turn. One more episode of Netflix before bed. I'm going to eat the bag of chips. It's fine tomorrow. All of these things that happen in their life where they, they are on the precipice of massive change, but they don't do it. They feel it. They hear it. They see it. Their body's decomposing. They're breaking down. They're destroying their life expectancy, but they're consuming this every single day. I know you're listening right now. I'm talking to you. What I want to know here. If you're in this position and you're looking at, you're working with a client like this and they're in this place where they just, for whatever reason, cannot seem to hold true to the promise that they made to change the sleep, change the food, change the nutrition, start hydration, work at whatever that is. What advice would you give to those folks? A super simple piece of advice would be to look at your non-negotiables or your habits and check who they are made for. Because the reality is, is you're adhering to old habits, habits that you're comfortable with. Your habits aren't designed for the person you want to be. So non-negotiable means exactly that. They are non-negotiable. Like an earthquake could come and you would still do this thing <laughs> to a point. All right? The reality is, is like it becomes so important and we need accountability for that. We need consequence. We need um, a, often a community. When we're trying to do something alone, it's 10 times harder. So if we can create that environment and that level of accountability, that that really, really helps. But if even with those things, there's still a struggle, you have to go deeper into the conditioning and start to look at where is this pattern formed? What is it about this pattern that is causing you to gain something more from it? Because the reality is we're gaining something from having this problem. And it can be um, just instant gratification. It can be that this just helps me feel safe. And the reality is, is sometimes that is the case and there's lack of stability somewhere else in their life. So they then make up for it by watching that extra Netflix show. So we have to go back and look more deeply. Okay, how, how are these patterns formed? And also, what are the unresolved emotions that are attached to it? Because we're still swimming in that pool, even though our mind is telling us we want to be over here. We want to be further along. We want to be, you know achieving at our highest level the reality is that there's still something in that old conditioning that is still holding you and playing a part so you know you've got that kind of first point that i mentioned around the non-negotiables that can be a quick and easy win for people but 
I'll be honest, that pyramid that we spoke about at the beginning, lasting change happens when you deal with what is going on at the root, what is going on in that conditioning. Because there you then get to propel forwards in a way that is is exponential. It's beautiful. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, so um, you can find us at our website, uh, thewellnesstheory.com. Um, where our contact information is on there. And also we're quite very active on Instagram at wellness theory. So any of those um, places you can contact us and find us more about what we do. Brilliant. And of course we will put all those links in the show notes. My last question for you, my friends, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? So for me, this is a really interesting one because I don't see anything as broken. We are all part of one and the same. Right. And if we can really wrap our heads around that and we can really start to embrace that, we realize that we're just starting to come together in a new way. And that's actually probably the the healthiest thing in the world. When we see ourselves through a broken lens, it's always going to be colored that way. If we actually play pretend for a moment and imagine, actually, no, we're not broken. We're just exactly where we're supposed to be. I think we'll start to see the world through a different lens and we'll start to see our own healing journeys through a different lens too. Mine's, well, mine's very, very similar. Uh, mine, I've always been under the very, uh, the same co- uh, thought process of that. We're not, we don't need fixing. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with anyone. Okay. Like everything you're experiencing is for a reason. And like we said, the, the, the whole message of this kind of podcast has been about listening. It's been about paying attention to yourself. Like everything that's happening to you, everything was happening is everything happening to you is happening for you. And it doesn't feel like that when you're in it and it's, uh, you're really feeling down and in the dumps and you're feeling depressed and anxious, but it's just, those are signals and it's time to, we start listening to that. And when we start listening to that, we can start to untangle all these things, all these feelings, all these emotions, all these thoughts, all this, all these sensations and start to actually align with what it is we want and direction we want to go in. Uh, when we start to realize that we're not broken, we don't need fixing. We just need to pay attention to ourselves and what these signals and these signs are telling us. That's when we can start to actually create the life that we want and we can create who we want to be. Um, so I def- I'm a big, big believer in that. When someone says, oh, there's something wrong with me, not- there's nothing wrong with you. You're exactly where you need to be. You just need to listen to be able to advance and progress. Brilliantly said, my friends. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show.
But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.